love is the best I'm blessed to know that lust is a test I used to be the victim, now I'm just envisioning I'm knowing this is I'm Susie Landolfi, and welcome to Be Crazy Well. Now, why would a therapist say that? Because we all have mental health struggles, even therapists. The good news is, we have so much more information about how we can be crazy well. On my podcast, we don't focus on what's wrong with us. We want to know what happened to us. We're going to explore how trauma affected us, both negatively and positively. That's right. I said positively. It's called post-traumatic growth, and it's a real thing. Be Crazy Well will share mental health wellness practices, the newest mental health research, and most importantly, how we all get to create the person we deserve to be and the life we deserve to live. So join the mental health evolution and be crazy well. To see within is to know yourself, to know yourself well enough to be able to put yourself into other people's shoes and to bring out the best. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Be Crazy Well. And I really mean that. I really mean that we deserve to be crazy well. And I wanted wanted to talk about something today that is very near and dear to my heart. I can remember when I started my healing journey and I wanted to create the person I deserve to be and the life I deserve to live. And I had to take a look at some really, really hurtful shit that I pulled and that I was constantly doing. And wasn't easy, wasn't pleasant at all. And I I decided I was going to write a book real soon called Own Your Shit. <laughs> I hope it's okay that I say shit. Anyway, one of my he- greatest healings was being able to not constantly be terrified of being wrong, that I was so terrified of being wrong, mostly because I was told I was wrong, just wrong for living from being very young on. So it gave me this tremendous hypersensitivity and a high stress response to being terrified of being wrong. Now, if you're afraid of being wrong, then you're going to want to be right, or at least appear to be right. So one of the greatest things you can do to make sure you're right is lie. That's it. So as a child, I learned fairly quickly I remember very young, actually, that when my dad got rageful, I could try to find a way to stop that rage or direct it away from me and try to find a way to get things a little safer. So what I learned to do was lie. And it worked It was amazing. Like even as a little kid, I could start to figure out what he wanted to hear. And that helped save me because I was the kid that I was always, for whatever reason, I was always the one he didn't like the most. I think it's because I reminded him too much of my mom and they were divorced. So I think that his his fear and sadness turned to rage and and I was the, the target. So not only did I learn to lie, I learned to lie really well. Like I lied so well that when I became an adult, I could have been a triple agent. That's right. 
none of this double agent stuff. I could be a triple agent. And I started to, actually the very first part of my healing from my trauma was being honest. So my real practice at the very beginning of my healing was telling the truth, even on the smallest things. And actually learning to tell the truth on the smallest things helped get me strong enough to say it about the bigger things. So small little thing, like for instance, hey, have you seen that new movie? In the past, I would have gone, yeah, because I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be right. I wanted to be included. And then, of course, that would, didn't you love that scene where the gorilla came? It's like, oh my God, that was my favorite. So now I'm getting in deep. I remember in school when somebody asked me if I had read a book and they were had more money than I did and they had uh, better schooling and because they had gone to a different school than I had and I wanted to appear smart, as smart as they were. So when they would, didn't ask me if I actually read the book, they would just start talking about it. That book, The Lord of the Flies, you remember when so-and-so, so I didn't even ask, I go, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because I must have had to have read that book to be considered smart and considered valuable in their eyes. So it was quite a journey of being able to learn how to tell the truth. And not only did I lie to other people for fear of not being good enough, of having them get mad at me, all the many reasons that anxiety and the fear of being less than fueled that lying. I think the worst part of having to lie as a child and then bringing it into your adult life, at least for me, was I got really great at lying to myself. And I want to read you a quote from Fyodor Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky, I want to say that correctly. And here's his quote, above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lies comes to a point that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him and so loses all respect for himself and for others. And having no respect, he ceases to love. Well, that was pretty much what happened to me. And I started to really see how much I didn't like myself, that every single lie took a little piece of my self-worth. And there's another quote from The Outsiders. It's by S.E. Hinton, and it says, I lie to myself all the time, but I never believe me. Well, that may be true for them, but for me, I did believe me. I couldn't tell the truth about myself. I couldn't understand I actually started to believe the lies uh, that I was telling, not about everything else. That I figured out. But about me, I actually believed I was kinder than I was. I believed that I was more successful than I was. I believed that I was safer than I was. I believed that I hadn't done as much damage to my child and my life. And I really believed that. So it took me longer to actually heal because I didn't see the damage I had done to myself 
and others. I, I protected that that lie about myself for longer than I really than was really necessary. I thought it was necessary. It was never necessary. I didn't even recognize how much I was hurting and in myself and about myself. I'll tell you a story about when I first went to my first therapist long, many, many years ago. Um, and I, my family had never gone to therapy. We didn't know anything about therapy. I'm the first person to go to college. And as my uh, life was crumbling, my daughter actually was the one that said, you should go to therapy. This is way, way before I went to college for it, to, to get my master's. And I said, okay. And there was this really nice gray-haired psychologist, an older woman. Now I'm that woman. <laughs> I had black hair then, not this gray hair. And I remember going in and sitting down and she said, so tell me what brings you here. Tell me a little bit about your past. Tell me about what you grew up with so that I can sort of understand where you came from. And basically she was asking what happened to me. Well, never wanting to look unprepared, never wanting to appear more affected by my trauma, I wanted to make sure that I listed everything in order. And I was going to be honest this time. I was going to tell her what happened. And the thing though was I was completely devoid of the effect of what I was telling her. So as I listed these unbelievably horrific childhood events in my life, and I listed them like a, like a shopping list, and then this happened, and then my dad, and then the sexual molestation, and I go through these unbelievably traumatic events with no expression other than the fact that I wanted to be in order and to be clear. I remember having, I was so engrossed in my list that I wasn't looking at her. And I remember I looked up at her for a second while I was listing all these traumas. And what I saw was a woman with her hand over her mouth in horror and I, tears in her eyes. And I looked at her like something must have happened in the room that I missed, but I, we're the only two people here. And I literally turned around and looked behind me to see if something had happened, like maybe outside in a window or something. And I realized then when nothing else was in the room but me telling this horrific story, I realized she was crying for me. She was horrified for me because I had learned to lie about the effects of what happened to me. And I remember that that was one of the greatest healing moments of my life, which actually started me being honest about what happened to me and honest about how it had affected me, which then put me on a path of being able to do something about it. And so when I, when I share with you about this idea of lying, it's so important to me that honesty about what was done to us, what we now do to ourselves, and what we are continuing to do to others is absolutely the foundation of wellness. 
I remember when I was still thinking I was doing better than I was, and I was kinder than I was, and I was more well than I was, and and that, that my life wasn't as bad as it was. Um, I can remember when I was explaining all this to one of the veteran retreats I was working at, I wanted to give a, get across this idea of our contradictions, of not being able to see the truth in ourselves. So as a little girl working with my uh, stepdad, uh, he always did all the uh, repairs around the house. We came from a really great blue collar family. So we we did the plumbing and the electricity and the carpentry and the working on your car. And I remember one day, I was pretty young, I was probably like 11, and he handed me the tape measure. And I was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And I couldn't stop going around the house measuring everything with a tape measure. So here I am working at this retreat, and I want to get across this idea about how you can measure wellness. You can truly measure mental health. Now, I know there's a lot of tests out there and personality tests and depression tests and anxiety tests and all of that. And okay, I I get it. I've done them. And I thought there's got to be a little bit more of a, a visual way for people to measure how they can start to improve their mental health, what it would look like, and what is the true measurement. So I remember walking into this room of a bunch of veterans, and I took out this tape measure, and I gave one end to somebody in that room, and I started to tell my story, and I said things like, yeah, I'm a really great mother. And then I looked over and I said, I just said to my daughter, she's the most horrible human being in the world, and I'm so disappointed in her. So I stepped back as he was holding one end of of the tape measure, I stepped back. So what was I measuring? I was measuring the space between my contradictions, between what I said I was to everybody else, how I appeared to everybody else, and what I was doing behind closed doors. And then I said, oh, yeah, and I'm such a wonderful girlfriend and or wife. And then I look over and I kind of hide and I go, yeah, but I just cheated. I just cheated. And I walked back a little bit further. And then I said, yeah, I'm very successful. I got $5 in my checking account. And I stepped back even further. Now I'm like halfway across the room. Now we use these sort of as just very visual examples of how we lie to ourselves and we lie to others. And those are our contradictions. And when there's a huge space between who we say we are and what we're actually doing, then our mental health is not okay. And I remember working really hard to lessen the space between my contradictions and to own my truth. Some people call it accountability, being able to be accountable. I can remember when I finally got so comfortable with telling the truth to myself and others that I uh, I wanted to instill in my, I was the clinical director of a, a dual diagnosis uh, treatment center in Malibu. And I can remember starting a staff meeting. I was a brand new clinical director. I was the first clinical director there, actually. 
And I wanted the staff to never feel like they could lie, to, that they had to lie to me. I wanted to be completely safe. I wanted them to be able to own their mistakes so that we could help fix them together and find solution. I never wanted them to ever feel as scared as I did when I was a little girl having to lie to someone because of the punishment that was going to come down. So I introduced them to the idea that we were going to start every meeting by, you know, sharing a mistake we made, like, like a big one, like whatever one you made, like I didn't care. And I went first as the new clinical director, I shared a mistake that I made as the clinical director that week, that first week that I was there. Well, they were shocked and we started to go around the room and by about the fourth person, we were laughing. And people were <laughs> really being honest about their mistakes and their struggles. And we made a deal with each other, all of us as staff, there was about 40 staff, that we were going to be the safest people in all of the treatment sphere and area in, in treatment, and that we were always going to be honest with one another and we were going to model for the people that came to us for help. And we were going to model for them what it's like to not be ashamed of your mistakes and not be afraid of the truth and to be able to own our truth. And so all during the time that I was there, I could remember that I said, hey, make sure that you get to me first and tell me your mistake before someone else has to come and share it. And we used to have these great moments where we'd see people walking very fast down the hall, ready to come and tell me something. And of course, I made it more difficult for them by running in the opposite direction. So, so they would have to move even faster to come, wait, I got to tell you a mistake I made. I want to tell you first. And I realized how um, absolutely amazing it is when we're not afraid of our truth. We're not afraid of ourselves. We're not afraid of somebody else. Although I do have to say one thing. I did tell my grandson, I have the most amazing 17-year-old grandson. So over the course of the years, I did tell him that there were two times that he could lie. If uh, he could lie to save his own life and he could lie to save somebody else's. So we've, we've pretty much stuck to that. And I want to read you one more little quote again from Dostoevsky, and it's, lying to ourselves is more deeply ingrained than lying to others. And I realize that we are the, the only animal in all of the animal kingdom that I think, I may be wrong, that actually lie more often and lie to ourselves and others. What do we get to do? We get to practice the truth we get to be honest with ourselves. We now know honesty will increase our love for ourselves and our love for others. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying there aren't going to be consequences. And I know because I've had to deal with them. I can tell you this. It's one of the greatest experiences of my life when someone says, hey, who did this? That I get to say, I did. I did that. And I'm sorry. And I'll say one final thing about when we make a mistake, my daughter told me this the other day. She said, Mom, we shouldn't just say we're sorry. Like, that's not enough. We should say we were wrong. And it was like my head exploded because I was thinking, oh my God, that's why I lied because I was so afraid of being wrong. So she said, we should say we're wrong and then we should say, what can I do to make it better? So for that, I give you the, the, unbelievable 
gift of honesty, being honest with ourselves first, being honest with others, and not being afraid ever of making a mistake or not being good enough and having to lie to make ourselves feel better. We just get to do better, to be better. That's how we get better, as we do better. So that's my my joy, I have to say my joy of loving that honesty is absolutely my top principle. And I will say that even though I am honest now, I'm still kind. I can say what I mean, mean what I say, and not say it mean. Took that from Al-Anon. That's a great one. Say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean. We never have to do that. So if someone says, well, give me your honest opinion, trust me, I will. And I will say it as kindly as possible. And uh, my days of being a triple agent are over. I'm just going to have to be able to tell the truth. And I just, that's what I do now. So I'm going to be honest with you right now. I have so enjoyed doing these. I'm learning. I'm learning with you. I'm doing this in a way that I hope is working for you. I am so open to suggestions. I'm open to uh, how we could change this and make this your podcast. I know that I'll be getting some emails soon. So you're going to start to be guests uh, on my podcast. I want people who are in this mental health evolution with me, that we're starting a movement, a mental health evolution, not a revolution, an evolution. Because I know something about revolutions. Oftentimes they end up being just like what they were revolting against. But in evolution, you're always forever different. So mental health evolution to be crazy well. And I'm going to give you my email again, and we'll actually, I think we'll be able to put it up on the, where we post these podcasts so that you can get in touch with me. Email me at Susie, S-U-Z-I-G-M-A, S-U-Z-I, Gma, Susie Gma at gmail.com. Cause that's what my grandson calls me. And I'm good with that. I'm the old, the OG Ma in my family. So again, thanks so much for being uh, a want to know person. You will not be listening to this if you are a don't want to know person. You absolutely will not be listening. So I already know you're a want to know person. And I offer this opportunity for all of us to be crazy well, to be crazy well. All right. Have a good week. See you next week. Yes.